Hey, welcome to Life Church. We pray this blesses you and empowers you for your week ahead. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Oh, thank you, Tom. I'm going to put that there. I uh, always have this fear that I'm just going to walk out the house one day and I'm going to bring like the wrong book. It's not really a Bible. And then it's like, where are my notes? But uh, I've got everything here today. So you'll know in 30 minutes if that's a good thing or a not so good thing, right? But it's great to have you here. And everybody been enjoying the English summer. How great has that been, right? I mean, what was it, like three days of sun and blue sky. And uh, we got a lot of people in our church who are from a continent where the sun never really sets, right? Uh, I know, you know, South America's got a bit of sun and Australia has a bit of sun, but there's nowhere like the African sun, guys. Oh, there we go, there we go. And um, if you are relatively new to the UK, I just want to let you know the English summer does grow on you. All right, the English summer, in a couple of years, give yourself some time. You're going to be sitting there saying, you know what, this is actually quite nice. I can look forward to this every year. But uh, it's great to be here as well. And uh, it's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. I love that song, Who Can Deny? Who Am I to Deny What the Lord Can Do? And uh, that is something for us to bear in mind. We're going to be uh, finishing up today. The series that we've been in, which is the I Am Sayings of Jesus, the I Am series, and uh, we've covered three of the statements that Jesus made, these very bold, very powerful, very big word coming, revelatory statements of Jesus. And what he does is the Apostle John gives us this beautiful picture of Jesus to try and help us understand that if we think that Jesus is just a man, if we think that Jesus is just a teacher, if we think that Jesus is just a prophet, then we've missed the point of what Jesus has come to do. And John, along with the rest of the New Testament authors, is working hard to show us that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And the I am statements of Jesus, if you Look over the last three weeks, the ones that we've looked at, the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the good shepherd. They are intricately linked to the way that God reveals himself in the Old Testament. When Moses stands before the burning bush and he's commissioned to go to Pharaoh to free the Israelites, to lead them out of captivity into the promised land. And he says, who do I say sent me? And every culture with all of their pantheon of gods, what name should I give? And God simply responds, I am. This sense of the eternal being of Yahweh in the Israelite faith. Now Jesus claiming that same identity. And so we're gonna wrap it up today with what I think to be one of the most impactful but also controversial statements that Jesus says out of the list of the I am statements. There's seven that John records. But this one has the potential to cause us some problems 
in our modern society, in our lives today, because this is the one that causes us to stop. It actually demands from us a decision that we must choose between Jesus and the world. And it's this statement, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this morning I want us to unpack this. And my starting point for unpacking it comes from a podcast that I've recently listened to. I I listen to podcasts, sometimes I don't make them all the way through, but I enjoy listening to podcasts. And recently there was a podcast that grabbed my attention because it was a theologian, so I listen to theology podcasts because it's me and you know, some of you listen to football podcasts, I know, and that's okay. I just listen to the theology ones. My podcast library would probably be very boring to you. But uh, that's what I listened to. And it was theology, a theologian interviewing a guy by the name of Rain Wilson. Anybody heard of Rain Wilson? All right, anybody here watch The Office? Yeah, Yeah. anybody remember Dwight Schrute? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so Rain Wilson plays Dwight in The Office, and it was this merging of theology and The Office, and I thought this is the best thing that has happened since Jesus was born, right? This is like theology, The Office, I love that show, it is the best thing, as I say, after Jesus. And uh, it was this 45-minute conversation around this guy's very public and very influential exploration of spirituality. And something that he said stood out to me. Towards the end, the host of the podcast came right out and asked him, he said, what would it take me to convince you that Jesus Christ is God? And his response was this. He said, I was raised in a religion called Baha, right? I am also a Christian. So I love Jesus, I adore Jesus, consider me converted. I just can't accept that Jesus is the only way. I think that he was the only way when he said it, but I think that today there's another way. And they went into this conversation where the host was really kind of you know, standing his ground and he handled the conversation in a really good way. But this whole conversation had me thinking that that is a brilliant summary for the culture, the Western society that we live in, where we are so pressured to look for truth in everything that the demands of Jesus where he says, it is either me or it is the world can put us in a real difficult position. And I wanna encourage you today as followers of Jesus, I wanna encourage you that Jesus Christ, when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, what he meant was, he and he alone is the way, he and he alone is the truth, and he and he alone is the life. That's what he meant. I pulled up some statistics because I I like figures. I think they're helpful. And I spent a lot of the time prepping the sermon looking at infographics. Um, Infographics are those cool pictures where they just put data on pictures, right? And it just helps make sense. So uh, the the start might be strong. The rest of it, yeah. Uh, There weren't infographics for, you know, John 14 and things like that. Anyway, this is the situation in our immediate world, all right? I'm looking specifically at Western Europe. Here's the reality. Here are some facts for you. There was a recent study that defined spirituality as the belief that there is something greater than yourself, usually involving some kind of search for a deeper meaning in life and not always affiliated with any one faith or belief system. 
When the study applied that definition to spirituality, they found that 11% of people in Europe describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. 24% of people in Western Europe call themselves religious and spiritual. 15% of Europeans call themselves religious but not spiritual. And 53% of Europeans identify as neither. A statistic that maybe we would expect, right? In a culture and a society that seems so anti anything but reality, logic, science, that's what we would expect. But look at this. When they looked at the practices of spirituality, including prayer, meditation, chanting, yoga, mantras, they found that 34% of adults in Western Europe believe in fate, not God, believe in fate. 26% believe that yoga is a spiritual practice as well as a physical exercise. 23% believe in astrology. 23% of adults in Western Europe believe in spiritual energy among things. 20% believe in reincarnation. And 13% of adults in Western Europe consult tarot cards and horoscopes. Now you might be sitting there going, well that's a pretty small figure. But when you take the median of church attendance, the average number of people in Western Europe and the adult population who attend church once a month, it's 18%. I've got your attention, right? So spirituality as a field, as a viable option apart from faith as we understand it as Christians, is a growing player on the global stage. And the idea outside of these walls, among our friends, our families, our colleagues, in our nation, in our homes, in our schools and universities, the idea that I can be spiritually alive without Christ is prevalent and it is increasing. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that we are on the threshold of what will be the next great battle of the Christian faith. It's not the culture wars that we've been drawn into. It's not the things that we, we feel are, are so important, this is the hill that I'm gonna die on. The reality is that the next battle that is beginning and already has begun is a theological one. And it has to do with the very heart of the Christian faith. That is the question, is Jesus Christ the exclusive savior of humanity? And if so, is he sufficient for my life today and my life to come? Sufficient means, is he enough? Do I need anything apart from him? That's the battle that we're gonna be facing. And the statement that Jesus makes when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, directly addresses that question. You see, we have to remember that Jesus himself was in a world that embraced everything it could. It was a world that saw the value or sought to see the value in every belief, every religious system, every worldview that you can imagine. And truth was whatever the people wanted to make it. So 
everybody in the Roman Empire in the first century who were the big players in town had a problem with the Israelite people because they refused to accept the Roman approach of what they called synchronization. Synchronization just meant that they took a little bit from there, a little bit from there, and we'll mix it all together and we'll keep everybody happy. And the Israelites said, well, we can't do that because Yahweh, Jehovah, is our God. Now Jesus is claiming to be that God, making, it, making for his disciples the choice even more exclusive. So if we get this wrong, then we get everything wrong. And the question for us becomes, in a world that offers me so much choice, in a world that offers such a weak, diluted version of truth, how do we know what to choose? And you might be in that position. You might be feeling like, well, they look like they got it right, and they look like they got it right, and those guys over there, I mean, they just seem happy. How do I know? How do I choose? And what we have to do is we have to look to Jesus for these answers. Jesus himself addresses this area. John 14, verses one to 14, it's gonna be up on the screen. This is the statement in its context. And it's important that we see it in its context because we're then gonna understand the key areas that Jesus is addressing when he says these three things. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They're in the upper room. They've just had uh, the dinner together. And this is about the point when he says that one of you is going to betray me. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also and you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus is essentially saying, guys, I'm gonna leave you soon. The disciples are going, you're not gonna leave us, Jesus, we just started. And he starts to talk about this place, the Father's house, where is that? And and Thomas represents, I think, all of us. Jesus says, you know the way to the place that I'm going. And Thomas goes, no, we don't. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. John goes on, the Philip steps in and said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How then can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Imagine Jesus asking you that. Like, don't you believe that what I've told you is true? Like, you're Jesus. Surely we would believe it if we saw him all of these these years. But the disciples aren't understanding. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. In other words, what I have done speaks louder than anything I could say. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That was the long version. I'll give you the short version now, right? Jesus is saying, I am so in the Father that I am God. And if you see me, you see God. If you hear me, you hear God. If you experience me, you experience God. If you come to me, you come to God. What he's doing is he is presenting himself as inseparable from the Father, which for his disciples is too much for them to handle because all that they've believed is there is one God. And so John is presenting to us what we know today is the Trinity, that God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And Jesus goes from here and he spends the next two chapters talking to his disciples about the one who is to come who will fill them with power and help them as he leaves to go return to the Father, the Holy Spirit. And you read John's gospel and you see such a richness of description of God's nature because John wants us to understand that God is not only beyond our ability to comprehend, he's revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. And as we look to Jesus, we are looking to God. So the claim that Jesus is making here is this claim that apart from me, you cannot, you cannot come to the Father. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, there is no access to the Father because Jesus is the one who reveals him. Three statements Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I'm gonna give you three brief, in the time that we've got, uh, thoughts on these points. The first one is this, Jesus is the way to what? To the Father. As we look at our world, we see an increased interest in spirituality. It reveals two things to us. There is a growing interest in the divine in our culture, but there is also a desire to pursue it. You will probably have conversations with people who you wouldn't call churchy or religious, but they talk about this concept of pursuing something. They desire something beyond themselves that they can't really define. And then it's like, well, I saw this guy on social media and he was talking about this practice and it made sense. And so I want to get involved in that because maybe that'll help me tap into something beyond myself. And that's the way that the culture is going. Now, the claim that Jesus makes here is that he is the only way to the Father. In other words, he is the exclusive, sufficient way to a personal, loving God. And that there is nothing outside of him, no practice that we ourselves can do. There is, no, uh, there is no human wisdom. There is no tradition or religion that can give us the access to the Father that Jesus Christ gives. How do I get to the Father? Which way do I go? How will I be in his presence? Only through Christ. Yeah. Only through Christ. If this claim is true, then everything apart from Jesus doesn't get us to God, no matter how it feels. So Jesus makes this statement in the context of the Jewish law, the law of Moses, the Old Testament, right? What he does, the Jewish people believe, how do I get to God? I follow the law. 
If I do enough that's good, I will eventually reach God. And what Jesus does is Jesus says, not only do we not need to do that, but he says, I have fulfilled the law. I am the one who has done everything that you couldn't do so that I can make a way that you could never make to the Father. The way is through Jesus. It is through believing and placing our trust in Him. It is through accepting what He has said and what He has done for us and then living as though that is true. Because if I really believe what Jesus has said and I really accept what He has done for me, my life is going to be impacted and it's gonna look different. And it's not because I want to please God, it is because I understand that the way that Jesus has made clear to me, he's already pleased God for me. So we have this struggle going on of the things that we want to do in our own strength and our own power to try and make us right with this idea of the divine. But then we have Jesus who's done all of that and simply says, come and follow me. If we follow him, we are walking on the way to the Father. What that means is that Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Growing up in a traditional context, right? Anybody here grow up in a more traditional churchy context, right? Some of you. I mean, there are so many rules that you gotta remember, right? You gotta remember what prayers to pray. You're like, like, you gotta learn how to do communion right. You gotta learn like, at this point you say that right and you do that right and if you don't, then man, you've messed up and you feel the weight and you feel like you've sinned and you feel the condemnation. Jesus plus religion is not the answer to our longing for this personal loving God. Jesus plus my wisdom, Jesus plus my ability, Jesus plus my goodness, all of that is unnecessary because Jesus didn't say, I with you am the way. He said, I am the way to the Father. I don't need you to do what I did on the cross, right? Because I've done it. Or at the time he was saying it, I'm going to do it. And so Jesus removes this burden and he presents us with this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If I just have Jesus, let's get real for a second, if all I have is Jesus and I lose everything that I work so hard to build for myself, he is still enough. He is still enough. Colossians chapter two, the apostle Paul says this, verse 15, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then he says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things. In other words, Jesus is at the center of our very existence, of this very universe, of everything that we will face. And what this statement from Jesus is really challenging is our desire to control our very salvation. We have to understand 
that if Jesus says we are right with God, we are right with God. And if Jesus says we have access to the Father, we have access to the Father. You cannot do anything to nullify or remove or destroy what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus is the way. Christ alone redeems us and restores us to the Father. So Jesus is the way to the Father. Secondly, Jesus reveals the truth of the Father. Now, this is a fun one, okay, because we know that truth is becoming an abstract idea in Western society, all right? I mentioned that I'm from another part of the world. You go to different parts of the world and you gotta understand different conversations are happening. So we can't look at the whole world and go, oh, everybody's talking about the same stuff that we are in our context. They're not, right? This is our culture, and it's something that we as the church in this culture have to deal with. We are so concerned with inclusivity in our culture that we are prepared to sacrifice truth to be inclusive. Now, Jesus loved everybody. Jesus welcomed everybody. Jesus accepted everybody. I cannot find a person in Scripture who encountered Jesus and stayed the same. Not a single person. I haven't spoken to a believer who has encountered Jesus and remained the same. And Jesus can be inclusive in his bringing of the truth, but at the same time, he says, I am the truth. There is no other truth. No one who comes after me and nobody who came before me can hope to have the fullness of truth that I, Jesus Christ, have. Why? Because Jesus is God. And the writers of the New Testament, the the Gospels, work very hard to present God to us as the very definition of what is true. We wanna know what truth is? Look to God. Look to God. He will tell you, he will show you because he is truth. And then Jesus makes this claim to be God. He reveals truth to us. Truth is presented today as having many faces, many flavors, many styles, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit over here. But Jesus says, that's not truth. The truth is in the revelation that Jesus has brought. And the revelation is recorded for us. It is the word of God where Jesus taught, Jesus healed, Jesus worked miracles, Jesus showed us who God is. And every time we pick up the scripture, every time we read about Jesus, every time we read about Yahweh, every time we encounter the Holy Spirit through God's word, truth is being deposited inside of us. And if you are feeling like, man, I'm in a situation where I am surrounded by people who are anti-truth, they are anti what Jesus says, keep on depositing the truth of his word into your life. You cannot stand in this world that we have around us today upon the truth if you don't know what the truth is. And as we engage with it, the Holy Spirit stores it for us. He teaches it to us. He he gives us an understanding of it. So even if you don't get it and you're reading stuff and you're going, man, this truth, Matt, that you made sound so good just doesn't make any sense. Keep on reading it. Keep on going to it. Keep on returning because the Holy Spirit will teach you as you turn to the truth of God's Word.
You see, much of the spirituality around us comes from a desire for truth. It's not that everybody is anti-truth. It's that we all want truth, but we want truth on our terms. I want a truth that suits me. That would be great. Imagine if I could say to God, God, this is how I want my life to go. Here's, here's your plan for me. That sounds good, but here's my plan for you. <laughs> Jesus Christ is exclusive, but he is also sufficient. He is enough, and he is enough because he is God. Jesus decides how I live, and I pursue him because he is truth. So we must build our lives and our pursuit of truth and what truth is on who Jesus is. Go to him and let him tell you. And finally, this is the last of Jesus, the part of the statement, Jesus grants life with the Father. Now, in the context of this verse, I mentioned Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples and they are scared and they are confused. They're looking around them and they are thinking to themselves, if Jesus goes, this is gonna go very, very badly for us because he's the one with the power. He's the one with the authority. He's the one who has all of this wisdom and we're just people. Like Jesus, what are we gonna do without you? Uh, how many times have you felt like that? How many times have you been in a position where you feel like, I'm just not hearing anything, I'm not feeling anything, I'm not seeing him. It feels like Jesus has just left me where I am and said, the job's up to you, mate. And you feel scared and afraid. But Jesus comforts his disciples. And what does he say? He says, I am leaving you, but I am going to prepare a place for you. And there's an aspect of our understanding of Jesus that we've lost from the early church. The early church understood that the life that is to come is a far more glorious life than the one that we live today. You see, our, our culture is one of accumulation for self. How can I get everything that I want right now, even if it's not good for me? But what the New Testament reveals is that Jesus Christ promises us life, and in this context, eternal life. Where this life will end, but we will live with our God forever. And it's because of what Jesus has done that we can go to the place where God himself is and experience a joy and a peace and a love and a life that is beyond our ability to create here. But he gives us pictures of it while we're on this earth. I am the life, Jesus says. If we are in Christ, the one thing that all of us face and fear has no power over us. If we are in Christ Jesus, His truth, His way is resurrection and life. And we look forward to the day 
that we get to go from the confines of this world and the darkness and the evil of it and we walk into the presence of God and we see Him, we know Him and we hear those words that say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You can imagine this place that we call heaven all the ways that you want. It doesn't matter. Is it on the clouds? Is it in the, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you know that this Jesus who said these words, who has saved us, who died for us, who sent His Spirit to us, He is there and we will be with Him forever. It is going to be the most beautiful, beautiful day. And yet we know, we know that it is so difficult to get there. This is the belief that made those disciples look at their lives and what is called the paradox of their lives. They were rejected. They were rebuked, they were accused, they were slandered, they were attacked, they were defamed, they were beaten, they were tortured, and they were murdered. And yet they were full of hope and joy and love and peace because they understood that life I'm living for now, somebody has brought it here. He's given me a taste of it. He's deposited it in my soul. And I can pursue, I can overcome, I can defeat anything this world throws at me. Yeah, there's battles to fight. Yeah, there is going to be this struggle in our faith to share Jesus with a world that is increasingly hostile to Him. But we don't have to be afraid of it. Because Jesus said, yeah, okay, I'm exclusive and there's no other way and I am the truth and you can only come to the Father through me and you need to go and tell the world that and you need to proclaim this message. You need to tell them who I am. But then he said, you're gonna have to deal with all of those consequences. No, he didn't. He said, but I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We look to Christ. We know that through Him, we have access to the Father. We are saved, we are healed, we are restored. We know that in Christ, the truth of the Father rests and can build us up in our faith. And we know that in Christ, our life is not something that the world will take from us, but we are going to reign with Him in the kingdom that He has established. So Father, may Your Word Speak to each of us wherever we are. May you give us confidence in our faith, confidence in a faith that is firmly established on who you are. Show us your glory, your majesty, your goodness, your love as we seek Jesus together. And help us with joy, with kindness, but with boldness to take this gospel into the world that is so desperate for it. Guide us and lead us by your Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. We pray you feel encouraged by this word. 
We would love to hear from you, so why not connect with us via the website at lifechurchhome.com or on our socials at Life Church Home. Have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.